Um, we uh, <coughs> have been talking about this Institute for Life that we're, we're, we're having. Um, uh, it's a four session, two four sessions, and we're, next week, we'll, Thursday night, will be our fourth session of the first week. And then we'll transition after Thanksgiving to four more sessions. The, the first four sessions are all about um, broken relationships and putting the PFAC together again. This is on Thursday evenings. And you're welcome to attend the, you know, just one of those sessions or more than that. Um, and then the four after um, Thanksgiving weekend are really going to be um, talking about marriage from the designer's perspective. So husbands' roles, wives' roles, and marriage from the designer's perspective. So we really want to encourage you, if you can, get involved. Uh, it's a great, great time and a great time of learning uh, to get involved. Um, so we've been in a study um, for, um, since the summer on the church, and we've looked at aspects of the church, formation of the church, Figures and metaphors for the church, its purposes and functions, its distinctives, its future, its spectrum of diversity within it, leadership and membership, roles and responsibilities, restoration process, and uh, the process of uh, discipline in the church. And last week we started our uh, final uh, focus on the indicators of a healthy church. So when we got together last week, um, we, we, we started with the introduction and we got into making of a healthy church, and we're going to move into the marks of a healthy church this week and talk about the so what. Um, so, uh, last time we got together, uh, we talked about the purposes of, in review. Uh, the purposes of the church, we said very clearly here, are um, about ministry to God, which is about worship, ministry to believers, which is nurturing believers um, in, in many facets and many different ways. And then we looked at here uh, uh, the world, evangelism and mercy, and we saw how um, our goal is to be uh, reaching out. You know, John Piper says that uh, um, that uh, missions exist because um, worship doesn't. And th- there will be a time in the not too distant future when um, missions won't exist because worship will be forever. And so um, that's what we're all about there. Um, the next one here is the focus of the church. And the focus of a church for me is literally um, from 1 Timothy 3.15 is, is it is uh, its foundation is truth and it's the pillar and support of truth. So it literally is the foundation, it is the pillar and the architecture of truth. So it is the truth holder, it is revelation of truth, is revealed truth that we're talking about here and it is literally the architecture that hangs the church together is truth. Okay? We said, what does the perfect church look like? And we looked at these last week. I got these from you. And they really were, you know, when you're looking for a church, what are you looking for? Uh, we've talked about one that teaches the Word of God, um, good news. One that has fellowship, uh, awesome fellowship, great worship, transforming growth. Um, that uh, the body has an understanding of, of the difference between preferences and, like, you know, other things, so that, you know, there's unity that's demonstrated, um, that people come to give and not get, um, and that they're um, focused out externally, out, outside. Any other things that you might have thought of since last week? Okay. I think it was a really good exercise, too. Because um, what I did then is asked you, as we walked into this, to give feedback about where we do stand on these things as we go through our time together. One thing that could be added on families. Okay. Which has Nurture. Thursday night. Uh, yes. Yes. You know, we have, uh, um, God has put the family in place to be able to um, pass on a legacy of faithfulness. So that's what it's all about. Good. 
Okay, we talked about his character and identity, and we looked at the historical background for the context that we're in today. So if you turn with me to Acts chapter 2, uh, we'll quickly cover what we covered last time as it pertains to the, the, the making of a healthy church. And last time we talked about, first one is that in verse 41. So turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and uh, 42. Would somebody read that for me out loud? Then those who had reached Jesus' word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls, devoting themselves to the, the apostles, teaching them to teaching and to follow fellowship, the breaking of bread. And okay, we said here that uh, when it said, talks about the fact that they, re, they received the word, we talked about that, is that they actually um, were born again. They, they received it, believed it, and, and, and took it. To, to be their own. So they understood the gospel to be their own. And, and so we talked about this. Um, what, what's amazing here is that it, there's this kind of it, it, inner reality and an external reality that's seen right here in this verse, right? There's the receiving of the word, which is in my heart. And then there's the external reality of making that public by baptism, by literally, um, you know, standing and declaring the testimony of God's God in my life that's already occurred. So what a great thing that is. And what I also wanted to point out is that the church isn't, isn't a building. It's, it's 3,000 souls. <laughs> it's made up of souls. It is the most precious um, thing there is uh, that God has uh, in, in this life. Okay, so it's a saved church. Um, second is it, it's, a, it's a studying church. How to make, how to make a healthy church. Uh, have a church that's fully committed to the word of God. I saw that that came as a high point here. Um, fully committed to the Word of God. It says they were fully devoted to these things, continually devoted to them. The point is, is that it was absolutely spot on in the dashboard of their lives as they went through their life. It was what their affections were all about, their appetites were all about. It was about uh, uh, just like a hungry ch- uh, baby wanting more milk of the Word and longing for it. It was like, can't get enough, can't get enough. And uh, that, was, that was their whole uh, approach. And uh, so everything was intentional and everything counts and everything um, they saw as God rewarding and human <coughs> being. Okay? So it's a spiritual work um, that the Lord added these things um, there too. But the purpose behind the teaching um, is, is individual transformation and corporate protection. So it's, it's to really renew our minds it's, it's to allow the Word of God to transform who we are and the way we think into such a thing that is just completely radically different than the way the world thinks. And uh, we talked about the way the world thinks is what? More highly of what? Of themselves, of ourselves than we ought to think. And so therefore it's like, um, how do we transform our thinking to be self-less, not selfish? Okay? The second part here is corporately. Spiritual protection. Um, uh, we want to build individuals and nurture them in such a way that they can open the Word of God themselves. That they, when anybody talks, whether it's the pastor to, the elders to, the teachers, whoever it is, they can put all those words on trial. Rightly so, to be able to say, are those accurate words of life? And be able to see that. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Think of it as a grid. 
I mean, even like at work and what other kids like think a fi- about filter or a grid, you put it through do. exactly. Yeah, they say something and it's like it yeah. filters through a matter. Exactly, and then you you see what truth is when it comes out the bottom, right? It's sad. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So first, a saved church to make it a healthy church. Second, a studying church. Third is uh, a fellowshipping church. And uh, we said that fellowship here is is really talking about um, having all things in common. We'll talk more about that today. Um, but it's uh, sharing uh, with somebody. It's sharing uh, uh, sharing with someone and sharing in something. So the in something we talked about last time, I think it was Marlene um, mentioned it. It's sharing in life. It's it's that we're doing life together. It's life on life, and uh, and we're partners in it together. This idea of sharing in common has everything to do with not holding things tightly ourselves. I mean, we just saw um, a great demonstration of that last night at the um, at the dinner, um, and and people um, just going above and beyond uh, to be able to um, support the needs that are represented um, within our body. So, um, a fellowshipping church. Um, uh, the, the idea of sharing life on life is everything about the victories, the joys in ministry. It's about um, it's about grief. It's about pain. It's about um, celebrations of, of of God's glory. It's doing it all. Uh, the fourth one here is a praying church, uh, continually devoted to it. It's like it's most important, and it's really about where you come together. It's about corporate prayer. The assumption in this passage is that they were praying individually, but when they came together, the first thing they did, and the last thing they did, was pray. And why is it? Why is that so jugular to a healthy church, to the making of a healthy church? What, what's the motivation or the heartthrob behind that? Focus on God. Yeah. Work. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about the fact that I have to be understand that nothing of any what spiritual eternal, anything's going to happen except for through God. But God does it. And so, um, the humble heart that says, we need God's hand to work, or it's not going to. And so, you know, my question is, is that the first thing we think about when we come together? Is it the last thing we think about when we walk out the door that we will not be effective this week, but by God doing something in our life, or somebody else's life? That Absolute, utter dependence on Him that, that we're talking about here. Okay, so that's the making of a healthy church. Four four points, and now I want to move on and look at six marks of the uh, uh, six marks of a healthy church. Last time we got together, we talked about the first one, which is supernatural worship. Supernatural worship. Um, it has to do with a sense of awe. Um, we talked about last time. The awe awe here is really. Um, not terror, but it's like reverent awe. It's like standing in awe. It's like it's a, it's the natural response that comes from when um, God's at work in our presence. Like He's He's doing something amazing. Um, it's like very cool. Uh, uh, it's, it, it, it usually consists of like a hushed silence. It's like whoa, um, look at what God's doing. Um, so it, it comes from. Uh, the fear of God comes from a high view of God, which demands a foundation of holiness. Um, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Wh- what's going on with Isaiah after King Uzziah's death? What happens in this vision? 
Anybody remember? Let's turn there then, real quick. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. What does he say? It says, it says, in the year of King Uzziah's death. So, King Uzziah reigned for about 52 years. He spent um, time as king in a very crucial time of history, of their, their history. But he dies, and Isaiah um, enters into a vision. And this vision, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord. Um, Lord here is the is is Adonai. He's the king of all kings. He's like the sovereign master. And, and he saw him sitting on a throne. The idea here is that he is uh, supreme. This throne is above all thrones. It is most likely a, a, a view into the third heaven where God is. His throne. It, he is on the throne. It is the sovereign throne of the universe. And why do we say that? It's because it's lofty. He was lofty and exalted. He's in this incredibly exalted position. And the train of his robe um, filling the whole temple. So this is the heavenly temple. It is the place where God dwells. And it's the place where Hebrews talks about too. It's a place where um, God is sovereign and Lord of all. He is above all things. And He's a glorious and He's lifted up high. And, it, and, and in His glory, the, these incredible creatures of seraphim who, are, who, are, have, been built, who, have, been, who have been created for nothing but worship and, 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 and encircling His throne, they cry... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, Lord of hosts. The commander-in-chief of the whole universe. He is holy. He is the one who is exalted. He is lifted up. Holiness is the only thing that is the absolute, unequivocal separation by, by as far as we are to an ant away from his creation. It is, it is a, he's so other outside of his, his creation because he's holy. And when, he, when, when the seraphim declares this incredible um, personification of, God, of, of God's attributes and his character wrapped up in his glory, it, it says the foundations of the thresholds of this entire structure just uh, trembled, shook violently. We were, we were talking last night about, about earthquakes in, in California. And, and it's like, that will be peanuts to what happens here. It's like, it just, it, the whole thing's just shook to his glory. And it says, and, and then the whole temple was filling with smoke. The, there was no place for any other thing but God's glory. It was like, complete. It, it, it infused and infected all of it. And then what happens when we come face to face with utter clarity about the holiness of God? It's that. Um, Isaiah enters into uh, to, uh, uh, an absolute understanding of his total depravity. He says, woe is me, woe is me, because I'm like undone. Why? What like took him from where he was and the way he was thinking about things to a place of utter worship, falling on his face, complete um, prostration before God? It, it's, it's that he says, my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. He's, I've seen him. He is amazing. He is so glorious and wonderful. 
He is above all things. And when we understand God's clear, with absolute clarity, God's character, have seen the Lord of hosts, and experienced the King, it's then that we will have supernatural worship. We will, um, the, the burning of our hearts, it, it will just explode to worship the King in all His glory. So, um, see the same thing um, in, in the Revelation. We see the same thing in Exodus. We see the same thing in Daniel. We see the same thing in Ezekiel. We see the same thing in every single manifestation of a vision of God. It's like glorious beyond all telling. If you only could catch a glimpse of Him, you would never be the same again. And it would revolutionize our worship. Revolutionize it. Yeah. <laughs> Many signs and wonders. Well, we don't have miracle workers today, but certainly wherever God's presence is being manifested, there's a supernatural sense of what he's doing. And, and when God brings a person to Christ, that's just as ma- magnificent and wondrous as Paul says in Corinthians, as even the first creation is the second creation. So don't for a second think that because you don't see miracles happening, by miracle workers around the world that necessarily God's not at work. I mean, he is absolutely transforming lives day in and day out. Marks of a healthy church, first, supernatural worship. Second is sacrificial love. Verse 44, he says, And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. Had all things in common. So, 1 John 3.16 says uh, that we ought to lay our, our lives down for our brethren. Um, we ought to lay our lives down for our brethren. Um, this is what um, Don was talking about earlier. This is putting the biblical worldview on and actually exercising it in our life. Is it not? It's sacrificial love. It's like all things unnatural. <laughs> all things supernatural in our life. It's about doing the thing that isn't, isn't, doesn't come natural. Is it, uh, all the time. And thinking completely differently than the way I used to think. That's what this is all about. Um, it's all things in common. All things in common. It's not a commune. Look at verse 46. It says, uh, um, excuse me, 45. It says that they began selling their property and possessions. Um, what we find from, um, um, when we find, what we find is that they actually still had their houses. Look at verse 46. They st- still kept their houses, but many of them had property and possessions that, that they, start, they, they be, started be, to change their thinking about who owns what. It, it, it's gone now to the fact that um, they've moved from like ownership to what I'll call stewardship. Uh, look at Acts 4. 32, a couple pages to your right. Acts 4, 32 through 35. Would somebody read that out loud? Jeff, you have that? And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Great power the apostles were giving to us. Abundant grace was upon them all. Not a needy person among them. All who were owners of land or houses, all them would bring the proceeds. Okay. So what we see here is that they, they did not own any, anything in their mind. Their worldview has been like transformed. It was like, um, yeah, I still need a home, but you know what? I got some extra stuff, and that extra stuff isn't mine. And if somebody else has a need, I'm going to, I'm going to give that to, to, to the leaders to use and distribute it the way they feel fit. That's the way possible for that. 
Um, so they, 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 had, uh, they had this <laughs> worldview that had been transformed to say that, you know, I brought nothing into this world. I'm not going to take anything out of this world. What I've got here is, is only mine because of God's grace and, and him looking at my heart to see if I'm going to be a steward for him. That's it. And what is the most important character trait of a steward? A servant's heart that, that results in faithfulness. Results in faithfulness. Faithful. That, that, I, that, that, that when, the, the, when the owner comes back, I'm found faithful. That's, why, that's what all of us want, isn't it? I mean, well done. Well done. So, um, you know anything. What, what's amazing to me here, as a result of that, what, what occurs here? Did you, don't miss it. Verse 33. They were giving witness of the resurrection of Christ. And what? Abundant grace was upon them all. Abundant grace. Amazing grace. Life-giving grace was, was, their, was their portion as a community. Oh, man. Like, wow. Very cool. Um, Philippians 2. They acted this out where Christ emptied Himself and humbled Himself. They acted it out in front of others and saw that um, they were selfless and actually demonstrated that selflessness that they had embodied their Lord, Jesus Christ. Sacrificial love, created by a biblical worldview that has been transformed. Okay, next is spiritual unity. Spiritual unity. Let's go back to Acts 2, verse 46. Beginning of 46. He says, And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together. One mind, day by day, breaking bread, <coughs> taking meals together. Disunity, um, or div- is divisions and disharmony. Um, Galatians 5.19, we're not going to look at it, but it says there that the deeds of the flesh are self-evident. No one needs to come to us and tell them, let me, let me school you on what the needs of the flesh are, okay? Um, you know, when, I, when we have kids, you know, no, nobody, like, explains to them what sin is, okay? Okay, this is sin. You've got you to do this, okay? No, it comes out what? Naturally. Easily. Okay, easily. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Don't act natural, right? <laughs> Don't be yourself. Um... So Galatians 5.19 says it's real self-evident what those are. And, and we see that in the church. Why? Because we said already the church is the most diverse, most diverse entity there is. Period. On, in the world ever. And so you have this incredibly diverse entity with everything different from people. And God's asking through the power of the Spirit and the lubricant of the Spirit of God amongst people to have that like, 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 Sing like a top and be a message of communication of, of unity. That, that's setting things up for failure, folks. <laughs> and, and yet, w- what happens when it really does work? It's amazing. It's like God's glorified. Right? So, um, what amazing thing there. Satan's efforts, um, they come for division by mistrust. A lot of times they'll focus on leaders. Uh, that's his focus. That's how he is going to divide uh, our, uh, our army. 
Anytime you divide an army, you can't communicate with the army. You know, if your sub was in, in the Pacific Ocean and you lost your communication, you wouldn't be able to communicate, would you, Jim? I mean, you, you'd feel like, what, all alone, right? And, and, and the, comp the competition would have won. Okay, so easily defeated. Um, unity also, though, can be bad. Unity can be bad. Um, it's not always necessarily God's will. Um, you don't have to look at it. You can look at it later. Acts chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, talks about um, a, a unified mob. <laughs> a unified mob in the marketplace that was going crazy. And they were all like, let's go, let's kill them, let's do it all. And, and, then, and then somebody started asking them some questions. Well, what's going on? They go, I don't know. <laughs> but we're all together. <laughs> Are we doing the right thing? I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're doing it really well. <laughs> so it's not always right. Just because something's, just because you, people are unified around something doesn't make it right. Yeah, a good example of that is those 19 who took hours in New York. Sure. They were very unified, right? Yeah. Exactly. Good point. Good point. So sometimes people can be unified uh, around the wrong thing, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's will. So true spiritual unity is going to be found in three things. I switched them around on you. The first one's the third. The, the last one's the first one, and that is common confession of truth. Common confession of truth. Where is true spiritual unity going to be found? It's in a common confession of truth, and that is the Word of God. Second one here is a common fellowship in Christ. So common confession, which is the Word of God. Second is common fellowship, okay, in Christ. And the third here is a common spirit in our hearts. Common spirit in our hearts. He says that those who are believers in Christ, the Holy Spirit has indwelled them, and they are part of God's eternal body, and we are, have need to have fellowship one with another. Okay? So, those three things. Look at Acts 4.32 again, right where we were um, just a second ago. And what we see here is, uh, and the congregation of those who believed, so he's talking about those who became believers as a result of this, uh, this message and this, this uh, actions by the disciples, he says, were what? Of one heart and soul. One heart and soul. When, when the church of Jesus Christ has one heart and one soul, and I'll suggest one competitor, <laughs> one adversary, okay, they can stand strong in the midst of all things. One hope, one faith, one, one body. Okay, um, next is uh, um, uh, the fourth one here, which is what we call steadfast joy. Steadfast joy. He says here, let's go back to Acts 2, into verse 46. And the beginning of verse 47, he says, And they were taking their meals with what? Gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God. Gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God. Praising God. So, talks about, uh, I don't know, you, you might have heard the uh, a cappella uh, song, Be, Be Glad. Amazing song, isn't it? You know, in the, in the midst of all these things, all the problems in life, he says, you have a fundamental choice and a decision to be glad. Be glad, have joy in the Lord. Because He is our strength. You know, that, that's what the Scriptures say in, in the Old Testament, right? The joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. It's our strength. It's the upholding nature and power of, our, of the sustaining arm of God in our life. Yeah. 
pretty cool. Um, so gladness. Be glad. Um, be glad. Okay, sincerity of heart, he says. Um, and sincerity of heart, what does that mean? Uh, what I have here is that um, sincerity of heart is the idea of, of uh, a transparent heart. Sincere means what? Honest? Integrity? So, so what do you think it meant when he, he says that they have a sincere, to have a sincere heart? What do you think was going on? Think a lot of hypocrit- hypocritical actions were being demonstrated? True heart. Humi- humble heart. Um, real stuff. Mm-hmm. Hanging it out and saying, this is what's going on. This is who I am. I need to be transformed. And, and it's okay. Because they, they were demonstrating unconditional love already, we talked about. So, I mean, if you want to see the mark, the marks of a healthy church, um, find a church that you that will love you unconditionally in the midst of where you're at and take you to where you need to be. Amen. You know, and, 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 and understand that it's okay. And that, and that God is at work in us to make us into who he wants us to become. <laughs> Most important thing. The sincerity of heart, is that the Yes, in 46. Yeah. yeah. Singleness, of heart, Singleness of heart. That's very interesting. Singleness of heart, yes. Uh-huh. It's back to this issue of the fact that their heart when put on trial by God, is wholly devoted to Him. There isn't a, a division that I'm walking one hand in the world and walking one hand with the Lord. It's like, I'm wholly devoted to Him. So it's really the same thing at the end of the day. If you strip out integrity and say it's fully integrity, fully sincere, one thing is a fully devoted heart. Yeah. Paul talks a lot about singleness heart in the Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one thing I do, uh, press on towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Most important thing, are we, is that, you know, and I ask, I ask us that question, you know, I mean, because each one of these points here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, t- I'm testing for, one, our church, but individually our lives. It, our, our, I mean, that's really what the God's about in our life to test, isn't it? We have the joy of the Lord. Is it, his, is it our strength? You know, are we, do, are we experiencing you know, unparalleled worship in our, in our hearts? Is the intimacy with God above all things and, and worth all things? Is, is, is love being demonstrated in my life in an, in an unconditional, selfless way? These are all the tough questions that, that I, wanna, I want my heart to be on, on trial. I like Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Amen. Now I think of you know First Peter four eight. He says, you know, love one another fervently from the heart. Let it like stretch the muscle of your heart of of your heart string in the in the act of unconditional love in a way that just like poops it out. <laughs> that it's fully exercised completely. That's the idea of of yeah. Amen. Amen. So. We've been created to praise and acknowledge God. So that part of the steadfast joy of being glad and sincerity of heart is this next one here, which is praising God. <coughs> praising God. Thankful heart. A thankful heart. Says, and praising God. And so praising of God is an amazing thing because um, uh, we, we cannot... In a, in, with, we, we cannot with sincerity or integrity thank God for all things, right, in our life. Um, and we can't thank Him for all things in our life and not 
and and have sincerity of heart. They don't go together. So if we've come to a place in our hearts that we're able to say thank you for the difficult things because he's going to meet us in the middle of them, then what's an amazing thing to me is that um, thankfulness is the key that unlocks the door into intimacy with God. He, he puts the key in of us saying thank you for all things. And then, only then, will the door swing open into intimacy with God. So God then, we, we then can, can move into that like inner chamber, inner room, inner room, you know, to be able to, to be with him and, and spend time with him. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, the, it's what you were just talking about earlier. It's like, it's a piece the world doesn't know. Can't know. Yeah, yeah. He's going. He's going over the place in the ship. It's like it's well with my soul. You know, nobody can take that away from us. No, not at all. Ah, amen, amen. The circumstances of my life are unbundled from my experience of God, which is joy. Amen. Yeah, praising God. A.W. Tozer said something that I thought was very powerful. He said the only thing, only only thing that really matters in life, that is only only one thing really matters in life, and that is intimate fellowship with the Almighty. Life, and that is intimate fellowship with the Almighty. I ask you this morning. I mean, is that have you internalized that personally? Is that something that literally is the heartbeat of your soul? Is that is that the crucible of decision making process in your life? Is it what causes you to make decisions left and right throughout the week? That, that's what we're talking about here, is that um, once we've tasted intimacy with God, once we've been there, that's why Hebrews says so clearly, he says, um, remember the first things. Remember the first time. Remember when you just came to Christ. Remember the passion that you had. Remember the joy of the Lord. Remember all these things that I'm trying to explain were part of that first church. He says, we won't have a church that's this way until we have a a body of individuals that have come to understand the supremacy and the sufficiency of God, of Christ, in our experience intimacy. So, one thing matters. Only one thing. Joseph Carroll said, we were created to worship Christ, to become something to Him, in order that He might find pleasure in us. You know, if I were to turn to my vision, um, why I live, it's it's to please the king. It's for the pleasure of the king. That's my goal. That's my. That's why I want to to, to be alive. And uh, I don't do it all the time, but but it's my quest. I can have a real powerful tool to act that uh, celebrities every week. <coughs> yeah. For the most part, they're not godly people. Yeah. And uh, go to other churches, uh, customers, get those, and every Friday night when they come in... It's just feeding a bunch of garbage, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I mean, but but what other what other lures does he have? Of Yeah. You know, it's everything but, right? There's a, there's a statue of Michael Jordan in front of the United States. Well, Mike, we look at that and we kind of, you know, get really you know frustrated over it, but that... You know, let me let me remind us, okay, that um, you know, in our lives as believers, we have the same kind of idols. They may not be physical statues, but they are things that are keeping us from holy devotion, holy devoted to Him.
And I just want to encourage us to really put those things on trial and test the test test our love. And Paul says at the end of Corinthians, he says, really put things to the test and really rationalize, you know, my love. So when 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 a body of believers is is sold out to him and they are a selfless community who first worships, demonstrates love, has un, unbelievable unity, has the joy of the Lord. Um, it's just a absolute contagious, theistic draw to people. That's what happened here: is that it it uh, it, it has a societal impact. Societal impact. Um, it's attractive to the people. It says, "In having favor with all the people, having favor with all the people, all the people here are the non-believers in the society there." They're the non-believers that are in the society there. Because he's not talking about all the body. He's talking about all the people outside. So this was just like, uh, you talk about Isaiah and the shaking of the foundations. This was shaking of the societal uh, foundations of, of their day in that place, in their community. It was going, what is, what is up? What's up over there? Um, so... Attractive. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I have to say something. It's really incredible. Um, this weekend, this weekend, the youth group, young man that is going to, and you know, he's a nice kid, and, you know, but he, I was always, I was wondering because he had, he was going to Streamwood Academy, and I kind of questioned it, and I said, why is he going to Wheaton? And he around his friend. I asked him. I said, why are you going to Wheaton? What's that? Hmm. And well, I had also asked him. I said, why? And he says. No, my mom's a Catholic, and stepdad's an atheist. And I keep telling my son, and my there's no reason. There's really, I mean, most of it, you know, you know, as far as it's really intriguing, because it's like something he sees and some of the students drawn him, just the date of it, but just the difference. Yeah, in the, absolutely. How it, there, these Christians that really impacted this young man, because he was coming to want yeah. us before he came. He never wanted to come. It was just through... A few really yeah. and yeah. And most of it's due to the fact that they don't, they know where they're at. Right. It's not a question, they know where they're at. And they know the experiences of death <coughs> and the consequences of their choices that they experience all the time. So that's a given. Now, if they see something radically different or very transforming differently, it's a, it's a, it's a draw. It's like, it I want to understand you know, more. <clears throat> As far as this situation, that man wasn't attracted because damnation and hell, you're going to hell. No, uh-uh. You know, it wasn't it's life. Yeah, they attracted yeah, to was, life. Right, and it, it wasn't that those, you, yeah. know, you know, you're going, yeah. you know. I mean, can you imagine being in this culture this is, here? Yeah, just one person. Yeah, that's just one situation, no right? <laughs> that effect exactly. through each of us. Exactly. Kind of exactly. Can you imagine this culture is seeing like, it's a culture of debauchery, culture of complete, you know, going the other way, right? And, and in this situation here, what, what they're seeing is these people loving each other so much that they will literally sell their possessions. Right. Things that they, in their mind, they earned, okay? understandable. Doesn't I make think sense. It's, it's kind of interesting thinking of a car like that. Yeah. You create such a such gap, a, and it, <laughs> such an influence exactly. that there's no way they cannot have a pile-up. <laughs> Yeah, and kind of just like, what's the, you know? Exactly. Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, that's the issue. Is they're attractive to because it's it's different. And and you know, so many times what we do is is we try to reach people by trying to be the same. 
And I'm, I'm here to tell you, people don't resonate to wanting to be the same. They know how they are, okay? So they want to resonate to being different, radically different. So it's important to remember that. Come and see. Come and see. It's like, come on over. Check it out. Test the waters. Come and see. Societal impact. Huge. The sixth one here is sovereign growth. Sovereign growth. He says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Numerical and quality growth in the local body. All things grow and replenish and renew themselves. Um, So, you know, so so I asked the question, right? (laughs) Right? So, (laughs) either we're healthy or we're not healthy, right? And multiply. And multiply, right. That's a good way of putting it. Notice here the Lord was doing the adding. It's of utmost importance for us to understand that, that it is a spiritual work at the end of the day. And God does the work. He just wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be faithful, and he'll do it. Also, I talked already about this issue of quality versus quantity. I believe that when God has transformed us as individuals, he will transform us in numbers. The, is, is it right to want numbers to be a part of a distinctive local body? Um, I think it's absolutely righteous. It's absolutely righteous to say that God, uh, uh, God, that, that God would want more people to be involved in a place where the Word of God is being taught and, and people are being transformed. Absolutely. It's like, let's go, you know. Okay. So our goal is faithfulness, sowing, and discipling. That's all He wants from us. Faithfulness, sowing, and discipling. Faithfulness, sowing, and discipling. A wise, a wise preacher once said, when a young man got discouraged about the small number of people that were in his pews, wise preacher said, maybe God is only giving you as many people as you're going to be faithful to. Interesting. Alright, what's the so what? Let's bring it home. So what? There are no perfect Christians, and there are no perfect churches. Sort of bust your bubble. <laughs> and what did I say was law number two? If you find one, don't go there because... <laughs> It won't be anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't mess up a good thing. I go in there. Okay, uh, this passage that we've looked at here—it's um, God's ideal standard, and it really needs to become part of our quest, our goal. Um, it's of—it's of utmost importance for us to understand that. Uh, understand that. Um, third one here is is a question for me personally, and that is, is my personal devotion to this community of believers here at Village Church where it needs to be? Is it, is it where it needs to be? And I, I would ask the question around these, these things here. Am I fully devoted to the people in this body? Am I fully devoted? Or am I still looking to be for them to be devoted to me first? Um, relationships are two-way streets. But you know what? Um... That it starts with me being selfless. That's what God's calling me to do, is be selfless first. Because then, that would be reciprocated, most likely. But uh, how can I expect, how can I like, expect others to, to be that way to me if I'm not that way to them? Fully devoted to, to people. Fully devoted to the ministries of this church. Fully devoted to employing my spiritual gift here. Every one of us as a believer in Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift. Am I using it? Am I seeing how God is going to be glorified in it? There is nothing, I've said this time and time again, there's nothing more satisfying in my life 
than, than putting my spiritual gift to use. Nothing. You will be totally satisfied in God. Next one, stewardship. It's not just money. It's like time, everything. Next one is the pursuit of truth. It's the, it's the pursuit of transformation. It's the pursuit of, of allowing the Spirit of God through the Word of God to change me. To change my thinking, to change my biblical my my worldview into a biblical worldview, so I can I can please God, um, wanting to please Him more than I. Psalm 127, one twenty uh, says, "Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it." You know, um, how how crucial is it for us to be on our knees, to be first to prayer, to be last in prayer, to understand that. Nothing about any eternal value is going to be done unless it's his house. It's his building. It's his, not building, but, you know, building of souls. The next one is, am I pleasing God and in the process of being transformed? Am I pleasing God and am I, am I personally in the process of being transformed? Am I in the furnace or, or am I trying to get out of the furnace? What? God transforms people in the furnace, not outside the furnace. So, am I okay with the furnace. <laughs> okay. You know, the singer last night, what did he say? He said, songs of thankfulness and expression of praise came directly as a result from being furnace. Right? And that's, that's how God works. That's how He works in our lives. If we're in a place of we don't need God, we're independent, we thank you very much, okay, nothing's going to get done in our lives, personally or within this body. Are we self-centered, comfortable, Complacent, inwardly focused, or God-focused? Are we self-centered, comfortable, complacent, inwardly focused, or God-focused? As I look around the whole world and I see what God's doing, and I see where His hand's at work, I suggest that He is at work with men and women who who have hearts and lives who want Him more than they want to be comfortable and complacent. And they are willing to stand out and step out in their faith to serve a risen Savior. So my question for us today is, what's going to change in my life this next week as a result of our time together this morning? What's going to change next week? What's going to change when I walk out of this room? What's going to change this tomorrow? Um, Do I really see the church as, the local church as, the absolutely most precious thing in God's mind. And if it's that, I ask you, how could it not be the most precious thing in people? Because this world will be gone. could happen today. The way he could come back again. And, and I will have no more opportunity at all in life to communicate the gospel. And, to, and so, are we... Making the difficult decisions of our in our life of the trade-offs in value equation for him and him only. He wants that. He wants undivided, uh, undivided hearts, fully devoted to him, single purpose, fully integri- it, it, with full integrity. It says when we have pursuit of the pleasure of the King in our life, then He is pleased with us. And amazingly enough, in that in that full circle comes contentment, joy, peace, rest. Absolute um, gladness and thankfulness. And it's that that, I mean, I don't know about you, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's like the most important 
precious commodity there is in life is abundant life. And, and I, don't, I don't think we really have experienced it the way God wants us to experience it. And so how do we, how do we take the next steps? That's my encouragement to all of us today or as we close. Um, Jeff, can you close us in prayer? Sure. Father God, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for the example you've given to us in your word. Um, church should operate, how the church should live. Now we as believers should relate to one another and desire to seek you more than the comforts of this. Pray, Lord, as we go forward today with worship, that we lift up our voices. Amen. Have a great day.